how we doing today? Welcome to Living Stones. So great to have you in this place. Hey, would you do me a favor? If you're comfortable, would you stand your feet? Um, we're just going to press in this morning as we worship God. We just believe that he's going to move so powerfully. Um, so we want to thank you for those joining us online. Would you stand your feet? Would you press in? Um, I just know it's going to be a special morning as we keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. So let's worship together. We are singing with all the 
12 it says if you pray to me and call to me I will answer and most people they take the first verse that everybody knows right that he's given us a plan a hope and a future verse 11 but after that it says when you pray to me when you seek my face and you find me or when you search for him you will find him so today we have this song it's called I surrender and it's a song just about seeking him and when we actually seek him and we actually look for him we're aware of him. We're aware he's in the room. We, that's when we actually find him. It's not a song. It's not about a building today. It's about Jesus. Amen. So we're going to sing this next song. And we just want to encourage you to lift your hands. You can close your eyes if you're comfortable. Whatever puts every distraction aside. You want to surrender it all to him.
every voice. I
Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Are we excited to be in church today? We are, too. I know it was like right here, but now I'm down here. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we just want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. I know life is crazy, um, especially in 2022. Amen. Um, but uh, we just want to welcome you joining us here in person. And those of you joining us online, um, we're so grateful that you're here. Um, the fact that you made it here, I feel like God is, just pours out over us, right? It's just special. Like, he can do it online. He can do anything. He's not limited. But being in the room is just so special because you can feel like you're just getting face-to-face with whatever he wants to do. So thank you. Um, But we want to continue our worship because it's technically worship uh, in our time of giving. And I wanted to start off by reading a scripture uh, from Proverbs 11.24, which says, um, the world of the generous gets larger and larger while the world of the stingy get smaller and smaller. And another translation further says, um, NLT, give and become wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. And it's so true. I mean, when we hold a tight grip on to money and not even just money, our things and the things that we want, like they can become our idols, right? And eventually we have nothing left. 
So um, this morning, as you give, we have three different ways to give. We have um, our Church Center app, which is um, an app that if you don't have it already, you go to the App Store and you just search Church Center. Then you search Living Stones once you're in Church Center. And then there's a giving option that you can do. Um, then we have our online, which is livingstones.tv. You can give from the website, or you can give in the back. We have envelopes as well. But um, yeah, let's, as the ushers come forward, we just want to believe today that, you know, through your generosity, that God's kingdom is going to be fulfilled. Amen? Because when we sow here, we're not sowing into a man. We're not sowing into um, just things. We're sowing into the kingdom of God. And when you look at it that way, I mean, there's, we have some praise reports here, but um, people are able to hear the gospel, right? We're able to touch our cities, our community. So let's go ahead and pray and just believe that God is going to do in honor what we give today. Amen. So, Father, we thank you that you're here in this place, God. Thank you for these people. God, thank you for the faithfulness that they showed up today, that they decided to come. God, I just thank you that you bless them, God, for um, stepping out in faith and giving generously. Lord, um, we know that you are here, God, that, that there are things that we don't know that we can't rely on, but we can rely on you today. And I pray that these people would, would encounter um, a new sense of trust in you, God, that you are going to do what you said you're going to do. So, Father, we pray that you bless them. Um, we pray that you meet them at their faith, their expectation of what they're believing you for. And, God, we just ask um, that your kingdom would be done in our hearts on earth as it is in heaven here today through their giving. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Amen. Well, we got some announcements today. What do we got, babe? Yes, welcome. If it is your first time here with us, we want to welcome you. You are our VIP guest, so we have yes. a special gift for you over at the information table in the front when you first walked in. We have a connection card as well. It looks like that. We just want to get to know you more. If you're also new and you're watching online, we would love to connect with you as well. Um, yes. You can go onto the Church Center app and fill out our digital connect card as well. So you can connect with us online too. And we have some fun, exciting upcoming events this week as well. Um, we have youth this Tuesday. He's excited have, for youth. Come on. We have an awesome, awesome youth team that is going to be having a cereal and pajama night at Ed and Julie's house. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the details for that are in the Church Center app as well. And then we also have Fight Club happening this Thursday as well at 6.30 p.m. Um, so you know here. The, de the details are in the Church Center app for that too. So men, if you have not been to Fight Club, um, this is a great time to connect with other men. Um, this is a great time to make new friends. This is a great time to get to know new people as well. We hear so many amazing testimonies come out of our Fight Club groups and our sisterhood. But Fight Club is this week, so... That's yeah, and you might meet your new best friend, so why not? You might right? meet your new Instead best friend. Instead of sitting friend. at home, isolated, get out, have some fun. You never yes. know what God can do, right? Yes. Well, we have a praise report. Um, who's familiar with the Estonia Bible Project that we've had in motion? Well, we want to celebrate today because we've had over, well, we've been able to give over enough money for 158 Bibles to send to Estonia. So can we give a round of applause? That's incredible, you guys. I mean, that is the greatest gift, right, to give the word of God. I mean, that, that's the true act of giving too, right? Um, and also too, Jesus gave his life. So if he can give his life, right, we can give it back to him. So if you haven't done it already, um, we can give in the Church Center app. So you just go to Church Center, um, like we were saying earlier, and it's about $15 per Bible. 
um, not too bad. I mean, Bibles are usually a lot of money, so that's amazing. Um, and then also, too, uh, we have is it the Mexico, Mexico yeah. mission trip. Nope. Okay, we'll check. Okay. Later in the month, we will be heading to Mexico for a trip. So if you would be interested in learning more about that or being involved with that, see Pastor AJ and Pastor Sarah um, to get to know all the information about that as well. Awesome. And then last but not least, who is excited for our worship night coming up this next week? So we have our last worship night. Um, I don't know if anybody here went to the last one, but it was so special. Um, it's, there's just something about coming at night when you've had coffee. Like we come here, sometimes it's like, oh, sometimes it's hard to wake up. I get it, trust me. Um, so this night is going to be so special. We just want to encourage you to come. Even if you're working and you get off later, just come. Like, there's no right or wrong. You don't have to be here. You know, like, we want you to be here on time because you're going to receive more. But yeah. um, if you're working, just come. But we have that coming up at um, the 13th. So this Wednesday, actually, at 6.30 p.m. So um, without further ado, we want to invite our amazing, um, one of our amazing pastors, Pastor Keith. So can we give him a round of applause? He's got an amazing word on his heart today. Love you guys. These guys are awesome, aren't they? Ah, awesome, awesome. So Pete tells me I have to stay in a certain range, so I'll try to behave today. Um, but you're probably wondering, where's Pastor Justin? And Pastor Justin, I know, I already saw he's watching online. First thing is, we got, oh, I want everybody to tell him how much they love him. So on the count of three, can you tell? Can you tell? One, two, three. Love you, Pastor Justin. Yeah, yeah. So Pastor Justin's got kind of a bum foot. Um, and he is home, and he's resting today, which is good because he gets to rest, and he gets to receive, and he gets to put that foot up. Hopefully he's got it up with some ice on it, so it's good. It's good. Um, but in that, you know, I want to share, we say God knows what he's doing. Um, do we always believe that? Um, and it's funny because we had, Pastor AJ and I had an early morning meeting yesterday. And then we had a ranch event. And I think it was midnight when we got home. And I was tired. And Heather knows I went to lay down. And I just couldn't go to sleep. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go to sleep. I didn't know why. And you can even ask, I was a little frustrated because I, I didn't know why I couldn't go to sleep. And this is midnight, 1230, and it's, I don't know, 1, 115, and I get a message from Pastor Justin because he's, his foot's hurting and he needs to rest. And he says, I need to rest. Can you preach? In that moment, I knew why, I wasn't, why the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me sleep because I needed to be awake, not just to hear his text, but I needed to be awake so that I could see God and say, okay, God, what do you have? Um, so God is good. And he always knows what he's doing. And in those moments where, and, and it's actually cool because it ties to today's message, but in those moments where we don't understand what he's doing or we don't quite get it, sometimes we just need to say, okay, God. And sometimes we need to say yes to Jesus when we don't know exactly what we're saying yes to. And sometimes it's, it's midnight. I want to be sleeping. I'm tired. And Holy Spirit's keeping you up and you still say yes. I, I don't know why I'm doing this. It makes no sense to me, but I'm going to say yes. So... <clears throat> And I was thinking as we were singing, and this is not in my notes, but it ties today's message. If you, if you guys were singing the second song, I hope you not just sang, but really absorbed the words. And if you remember those words, it was words about surrendering and surrendering all. 
and we sing those things and we read those things in scripture, but I'm not sure we always surrender everything. <coughs> Excuse me. But the two things that jumped out to me about that song is it, it says, I surrender. Um, but then there's a chorus, and I think it is, it says, I want to know you more. Um, and I think we don't always understand or know what that word know means. And there's multiple places in scripture where that word know means. Um, and often the same word to know God is the same word in the original language when scripture says that Joseph never knew Mary because Mary was a virgin. And even for guys especially, this might be a little bit weird and uncomfortable, but to know God the way scripture says is an intimate thing. Because when scripture says Joseph never knew Mary, we're all adults, we all know what that meant. It's an intimate physical relationship. And do we share and do we have that intimacy with God? And we can't have that intimacy with God if we're not willing to surrender. And we're not willing to surrender everything. So that wasn't in my notes, but it just struck me as, as we're singing that. So um, today's message, you know, Pastor Justin tells me, sometimes I struggle with the title. But I came up with the title. Um, I'm going to ask you to be patient because not everybody's going to like it. But I will say, as, as a preacher gets up and preach or pastor teaches or teacher teaches, I believe if we're teaching genuinely from the stage, we're not teaching something at you. It's something with you because it's something that God has taken us through. It's something God has worked in our heart. God, something's changed us. So with that, the title is today's message is, you know what? It's not about you. You guys get it? It's not about you. Because we make so many things about us, and it's not about you, and it's not about me. But we sometimes can't see past our own nose, and we can't see past our own circumstance, and we can't see past our own expectation, our own perception, or any of those things. So I want to take you to, I'm not supposed to say everybody high online, huh? Yeah, I'm not good at some of that. So I said hi to Pastor Justin, but everybody online, we're glad you're here. I saw Carolyn online. I saw Dorothy online. I, I saw Alex Bush online. I know there's others, but we love you. We're glad you're here. Um, but I want to take everybody to um, um, John 9. And before we read this, because to say it's not about you, it's direct. It, not everybody might like that because that removes self, and that's part of that surrender. So before we go there, would, my heart's greatest desire is that you guys know and we all know how much God loves us, how much he cares for us, and how deeply he sees us. But he also sees that for others as well. And, and if, if I were to ask you what Jesus said the greatest commandment was, what would your response be? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And to understand the immense love that God has for you, because you can't love others unless you understand how God loves you. You cannot love others well. And you cannot love others well, like God would have you love, absent the Holy Spirit. And AJ and others and I have had conversations about this, Pastor AJ. We want to love and we want to love well, but do you know you're not capable of loving others the way God would have you love? Not in yourself and not by yourself, not absent the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't believe it's in me, but it is through Jesus because he can love through us. So know how much God loves you. Know how much he sees you. Know the, the immense value he puts on you, but he puts that same value on others. So I want to go to John 9, um, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading out of the New King James, and I'm just going to read all the way through it, and then we're going to kind of dig in. 
So it says, now Jesus passed by and he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man or his parents sinned, but he's been blind that the works of God will be revealed in him. And I'm actually going to stop there for a moment because how often do we see a circumstance in somebody else's life or our own life and we immediately go to the negative? What did they do? Why did they do it? This is coming later, a message. How many times when we see a circumstance that I'm not even going to see as negative or say as negative, but we see as negative or we don't like? And our first reaction is, why God? Why me? And it's almost like in our culture, and it's almost like even in our Christian church culture in the U.S., we're programmed to see the negative before the positive. And that's where I see sometimes we can't see past our own nose and we can't see past our own circumstance. And in those scriptures alone, Jesus has already said, it's not about him. It's not about what his parents did or do. It's about revealing the glory of God and God's works through him and through a healing that's coming. Um, so I'm going to pick up on verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And, and don't escape the gravity of that, too. It's kind of gross, right? He spat on the ground. He made some clay out of it, and he shoved it in his eyes. And what we're going to get to in a minute is we see this through the eyes of what Jesus is saying. But what about the eyes of the disciples of watching us, and what about the eyes of the man who's experiencing this? And you see left there, there's a man that's experiencing this. We usually don't think about it from that perspective. And what must be going through his mind? But even before he was healed, what did Jesus speak to him? This isn't about you. This is about some of my father's glory and my works can be made known through you. Um, where am I picking up? Verse 7. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I probably, I probably uh, pronounced that wrong. Which is translated to sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And you don't want to stop and point out there, Jesus said he was going to heal this man. But sometimes when we wallow, and sometimes when we make it about us, the miracle doesn't come and the work of God doesn't come because there is action required on our part. He put clay in the size, but he told him, you've got to go do something. You've got to go wash. And we live in a culture and society, even, even our Christian church culture of, I want God just to do it. I want to sit on my couch. I want to just do it. I want to receive it. I want to pray. I want that instant vending machine thing. He required this man to go do something. And that's an act of faith. And, but he says he came back seeing. Therefore his neighbors and all who had previously seen that he was blind said, this is, not who sat, is this not who sat by the pool and begged? And he said, this is he. And others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said, go wash. And so he went and washed and I received my sight. And that's good, that's good. But really what, what I want to focus on is we, we look at this story we can, and we can look at it a few ways. I think we typically look at it through the eyes of Jesus and the miracle. But first, let's look at it through the eyes of the disciple. 
What did they see? They saw a man who was blind from birth. And what was their first reaction? What did he do? What was wrong? What was his sin? And how often do we look at other people through those eyes? And even in that, we've made it about us, our perception, our idea. I'm going to be honest, guys, and those that know me when I do this, I will be blunt. Sometimes when we do that, we are actually covering and trying to make our feel, ourselves feel a little better about the things in our own life, our own sins, our own deficiencies. Because if we can, and that's making about us, but we're trying to take the focus off, off, off us and make it feel better. And even the disciples in that moment, as they were looking, what, each of them might have had some conviction in their heart, but they had to turn it. What did he do? What did his parents do? And again, that's that negative. We aren't seeing the positive. We aren't seeing God working. We're seeing the negative. Um, and then there's the blind man. And Michelle was already laughing. He's blind. Jesus comes up to him, tells him, I want to God's work is going to be made known in you. I want to spit in the ground, make some nasty saliva, and I'm going to put it in your eyes and tell you to go wash it. What would most of us do? If we made it about us, what would most of us do? And what do most of us do when we pray for those kind of things? We pray and we ask God, but we want it done our way. And are we willing to surrender and accept his way? Because his way looks different than ours, but his way is always, always better than ours. And when we're not surrendered and when we make it about us, we tend to want to put God in a box, the box that we want him to conform to. And if he did it always our way, I don't think the glory of God and the works of God would be known even in us. And again, and I'm going to say this throughout the morning, it's not about you. Because even when God does something in your life, it's that testimony to those around you. It's a testimony in your own home. For the men here, it's a testimony to your wife and your children to see what God's doing in you. It's a testimony to your neighbors. It's a testimony to your coworkers. It's a testimony to that clerk at the store and that's why we get so focused on the things of us and what's about us. And I believe few things in this life and few things we experience are really about us. First, it's all about Jesus, but it's about that world around us. It's about how we're going to impact that world around us. It's about how God's, way, God's word is going to make known and how we're going to draw people closer and point them to Jesus through what happens. And I'm way, way off my notes, but that's okay. Because we're going to let God do what he does and... Um, but I want to go back to um, John 3. And John 3 is that moment where the disciples, right after the disciples said, what is wrong? What did he do? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin. But it's that the works of God should be revealed in him. Who wants the works of God revealed in them? If you want the works of God revealed in you, it can't be about you. It can't be about you. And how often do we make it about us? in big and small ways, and we even justify how we make it about us. But I don't believe, because there's two things I don't think God, God isn't going to bless us in our flesh when it's about our flesh, and he's not going to bless our excuses. He's not going to bless our excuses. And that's hard. And I'm going to go back to where I started. Everything you hear means God has dealt with me in this in some form or fashion in the past. Because a person that teaches up here means God's dealt with them. He may have brought it through it. He may have taught us. But he taught us so that we can translate that, that message. is still not about us. So I'm going to repeat that. God will not bless the things that we do in our flesh apart from him. 
and he will not bless our excuses. And that sounds crappy, but it's real. And it should get our attention because it should shift our thinking. So um, Jesus wanted to do something through this man by revealing his sight but he wanted to do it for all the people watching. It even taught the, the disciples and apostles a lesson. Those disciples learned to, change, to shift their thinking because their thinking, as I read it, was even judgmental of this man without knowing anything about him. And it forced the apostles out of their own heads because what is our worst enemy? This thing. You know, in life, when we make it about us, we spend a whole lot of time blaming a whole lot of things you know, as husbands and wife, we can blame our spouses, what they did or didn't do for us, what we liked or how they treated us on a day. We can blame our kids. We can blame our coworkers. Something, and I believe in the spiritual realm. I believe the enemy's out there and he's seeking to go after us. But sometimes we spend way too much time blaming the enemy and giving him for credit for some of the choices and things we do in our own life. And again, we've got to get off of us and onto Jesus and, and the analogy I like, to, I like to tell, I think Heather's heard this a few times, is, you know, you set the alarm. Well, first of all, you leave the box or something in your path. And you set the alarm, and then you snooze it a few times because you don't want to get up. And you get up, and you stumble through, and you kick that box. And you stub your toe, and it hurts the rest of the day. And how often do we say, oh, and these got out for me, I was a spiritual attack. When I left the box there, I snoozed it, I was groggy, I made a series of choices that led to these things, and I made it all about me, and then I want to blame the devil or the enemy for attacking me. And I'm not saying he's not out there, and I'm not saying he doesn't attack. I'm saying there's a moment we need to confront ourselves, and we need to confront our own choices. And when we do that, then it becomes about submission, because when we can confront our own choices, and we can say, this was me, and we can own up to it, then we can be fully surrendered, and then we can see what... God has, and we can see past those things. So again, another tangent. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm getting tangents. It's like Justin and I get the same tangent disease, right? But we've got to stop blaming everything around us. And first, we've got to stop, start looking at Jesus. And second, we've got to look at ourselves, and we've got to say, what was my role in this, and did I make it about me? And again, if we make it about Jesus and not us, so much of this goes away. I'll have to pull it out. Maybe Danny can help me find it. This is not in the notes. You know, there's a scripture that says, if we live by the Spirit, we will not gratify the sinful natures of the flesh. And I can't pull the reference out of my head, so maybe Danny can help me. But if we're walking by the Spirit, and we're not blaming these other things, and we're not making about us, we don't desire to blame. We don't desire to do the things that get us in trouble. We don't desire to sin when we're, when we're living by the Spirit. Because when we're living and pursuing that Spirit, and we're not making it about us, we naturally gravitate to just saying yes to Jesus. And sometimes those things we say we struggle with and that sin and all those things that we confront and it's so hard and we say it's so hard become so easy because the Holy Spirit and God has given us everything we need to conquer the sin and the struggle. But the sin and the struggle so often isn't because of the enemy. It isn't because of anything but this. And, and we choose to struggle and we choose to stay there. And we've got to start choosing not to. We have to start choosing not to. But that's when we have to get out of ourselves and out of our own head because it's not about us. It's yes to Jesus. And yes to Jesus means loving him first and loving others like we would love ourselves.
and we make it so complicated. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. So I want to go back to, though, as, as, as we look at the story, we have the uh, disciples that saw what did he do. We have this man that scripture doesn't really tell us what he saw, but it's probably a little bit weird for him. But we had Jesus who saw an opportunity led by the Spirit for God's name to be made known because everybody that experienced that miracle. And if you think about the people that questioned this man, they all heard the gospel. They all heard the good news of what Jesus can do and save and heal because of this healing. And when Jesus looked at this man, that's what he saw. He didn't see negative. He didn't see sin. He didn't see why. He didn't see poor woe is me. He didn't see why is this happening. He didn't see excuses. He saw opportunity to make God's known. So when it comes to points, and this is not always at the best at, but the first point is, and when we put points out there, and I know Pastor Justin desires this too, these points, if you take notes, write them down, but this shouldn't be write down and feel warm and fuzzy. This is something we should go back and we should say, I want to do these things. I want to be different. I want to apply this. Because anything that Justin or AJ or any of us say from up here really doesn't matter that much if we don't go apply it. I don't apply it. We don't apply it. So that, that point is, I want to see through the eyes of Jesus. I want to see what Jesus sees. I don't want to see what I see. Because how often in a circumstance do you see what you want to see? Do you see through your vision? Do you see through your perception instead of what Jesus sees? And I believe we need to ask to see through Jesus' eyes. We need to ask him to show us to see what he sees. Because I don't think he naturally will, and I think we need to pursue that. Not as a casual thing, but as an aggressive thing. Aggressively ask Jesus, I want to see what you see. I want to see through your eyes. Um, but most often, we're not. We're like the disciples. We see through our perception. We see through our negativity. Let's be honest. We often see simply through the filter of our experiences and maybe the filter of our day. We get up. We have a bad morning. We kick the box. Our coffee doesn't come out right. We have a spat with our spouse. And the rest of the day, we see through the filter of our experience. We see through the filter of our mood. We see through the filter of our experiences that day. And we see like the disciples said. And we see... Guys, we see negative. Ask yourself and search your own heart, even in this moment as, as we're talking, how often do you see negative instead of seeing Jesus and what he's doing? How often? And I bet if we're honest, the majority of the time we see negative, and we see through our perception, and we see through our filter, and we don't see what Jesus is doing, we don't see through him. And again, poor Danny, I, I, some of these scriptures I don't have written down, but that's where I think what applies is where scripture tells us to not be conformed to what this world does. To be conformed is to think that way and see that way. To be conformed is to allow our mind to be conditioned that way instead of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. But that transformation doesn't come without seeking him, without seeking scripture, and going back to that word know, without knowing Jesus, without knowing God. That's what will transform and change our mind. Because we often fool and lie to ourselves and say, I can change my thinking. I can think differently. Um, in our house, we haven't used this for a while, but when our kids were younger, we called it stinking thinking. But we think we can just change that. And how often do we wake up in a day, I can think better, I can do different, I can do this. And it isn't even lunchtime and we've already failed. But we're doing it in our own strength without Jesus. Instead of seeking him and letting him transform our mind. And that transformation comes from knowing him. And that knowing him is intimate. And that knowing him is vulnerable. And that knowing him is even saying yes when we might be scared 
and we don't know what's happening, that knowing him might be being up at 12.30 at night, being annoyed because you want to go to sleep, and saying, but I'm still going to say yes because I know he has something. But that knowing him also means when he reveals to you why he got you up and you were frustrated, going back and repenting. Because we miss that a lot of the time too. And we miss the repentance before our Savior. And we miss the repentance of going back and saying, I was up. I was annoyed. I made it about me. And literally repenting for that. And it's good. And we have to. Um, and I'm way off. That's okay. Um, uh, but we see all the uncomfortable moments and all the uncomfortable times. And as a believer... And without knowing where everybody stands with Jesus in here, um, Jesus never promised, and the Bible never promised everything was going to be roses, and he never promised it was going to be rainbows and puppies and unicorns. Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture doesn't say, I meet Jesus, and everything is wonderful. Scripture says, follow after me, and I'm going to give you everything you need. When, when Jesus left this earth and he ascended, he said he was sending the Comforter. He said he was sending the Holy Spirit. Because he never said it would be rosy and easy, but he said he would give us everything we need. And that Holy Spirit in this book is everything we need. And we can talk about the cars and the comforts and all that stuff, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Um, but uh, a good friend of mine, you guys know who he is. I, I, I collect what I call isms. I have Justinisms, and I have Pastor Rudyisms, and I have... Ajisms, because I collect these isms that people say. And one of the things I love that Pastor Rudy says is the things, the stuff, the ministry, all that's okay if you have it and it doesn't have you. And that's where we make the mistake is, and it's it's not just the cars, it's not just stuff. Does it have it or does it do you have it or does it have you? And it, it, it has you, you've made it about you. And it's not about you. And that can apply to your prayer life. For people that are in here that serve in the church or ministry, it applies to us. Our ministry, we can have it, but if it has us. But I think the mistake we make as believers when we identify that we've made it about us is we simply move on and we don't go back and repent. Because in that repentance, there will be knowing Jesus and him knowing us. Because it's vulnerable and it's hard. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a man, so maybe, maybe it's true for ladies too, but for men, we're prideful. And it's hard to repent. And it's hard to say we're sorry. And it's easy for us to, uh, we'll go pray again and we'll talk to God. But we just kind of, we put that in this little compartment like it never happened. That's not what God desires of us. And that's still making it about us. Versus going back and repenting. Jesus, this is where I was. Jesus, I made my mistake. Jesus, take this sin from me. But he's given you everything we need. And he can't bless an excuse. And he, but he's removed all our excuses. Holy Spirit and his word and the people he puts in his life, he's removed every single excuse for not repenting. He's removed every single excuse for some of the things that when we wallow in our struggle and we wallow in our things and, and, and when we stay in places that God does not desire for us. And we choose that. And it almost seems, as I'm looking at faces, I know this almost seems like a downer and it's hard. But what we're going to do at some point is we're going to end on a joyous note though, because Jesus did it. And the Holy Spirit did it. So we, again, focus on the negative, and we just need to say yes to Jesus and let Jesus. He took it. On the cross, what did he say? It is finished. It is finished. That is enough.
for every single struggle, for every single bad mood, for all of the stuff, and I just want to shift our mindset from that negative to that positive, because that positive is Jesus, and it's just Jesus, and it's just Jesus. And we complicate it with all this other spiritual stuff and spirituality and these Christianese words, but it starts and ends with Jesus. And all the rest is gravy, and all the rest comes, but it's just Jesus. Just Jesus. Um, but I do want to, sorry, that negative. I, I want to hit on the, the other thing we do is we do the, why is this happening to me? Oh, God, why is this happening to me? And in our prayers, you even see it, though, in a man in Scripture that Scripture says was a man after God's own heart. And David often complained to God in his prayers. Why is this happening to me? Everybody's against me. All this crappy stuff is happening. If you read the book of Psalms and you read David's prayers, he's raw with God. He says this is crappy. Am I allowed to say that in church? He says this is crappy. He says this is horrible. He probably said words that I'm not allowed to say in church. Scripture may not record him, but he was real and raw with God. But you know where he ended? But God. If you, and I challenge you, go look at David's statements. But God. And he praised God and he thanked God and he rejoiced in God because he always ended with but God. And how often do we do the complaining and whining? How often do we pray these things? For? How often do we do all this negative self-talk and the stinking thinking? And we never return to but God. And we've made it about us. And that's a lack of, that song, we're not submitting. We're choosing to not submit that part of our mind and heart. And we can't blame our spouse. And we can't blame our kids. And we can't blame the enemy or the devil. We need to be honest and we need to repent. But with that repentance comes joy. With that repentance comes hope. With that repentance comes this, just the spirit wells up and, and oozes and you can't explain it. And you can be in the crappiest situation ever this excitement, this joy, and this anticipation that cannot be created by human emotion. You cannot muster that. When I think of that, I think about the story of Paul and Silas. I believe it was Paul and Silas, and they were in prison, and they'd been beaten, and they were in shackles. And you can't tell me they were happy and in a good mood about that. But they were singing, and they were joyful. Where does that come from? That comes from the spirit. That comes from submission. That comes from, they said, I'm going to submit to the spirit because this is not about me. And they sang and they praised God. And we all know what happened in that story. But that came out of submission. It came out of not about me. And it came out of that submission to the Holy Spirit. That walk with the Holy Spirit that says when we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the sinful natures of the flesh. How can you be beaten and in prison and be in a good mood and happy? By yourself? Not going to happen. Because the Spirit's alive in you and gives you that joy that bubbles up. And I think... Everybody in here has experienced that. And if you haven't, I hope you get to experience that. Where it just oozes in you and there's excitement and the Spirit's doing something. And you can look around at all circumstances and you can think to yourself, why do I have this joy in me? Because happiness is a human emotion and joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And joy isn't mustard. Joy is something the Spirit gives us and we don't have to create it and we don't have to muster it. And we don't have to figure out a way to create it. We just need to pursue it. So, um, and, and we got to get away from the, the, the whys and the whys me. Um, and I want to go to a completely different scripture that I spent a lot of time studying this. So we quote it, I call again a bumper sticker or a coffee mug or a plaque or a poster verse um, that really, I think, digs into the gravity of where Jesus would have us and making it not about us. And I think it even digs into this man that was healed. I don't know, a strange guy I never met walked up and spit in the ground and wanted to put mud in my eyes. Ask yourself, I'm not sure how I'd react to that. 
But in Psalms 37, 4, Scripture says to delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But when we read that, we need to understand what those words mean. So we're going to do a little tiny word study. And, and I challenge people, don't, don't take what I say. Go look for yourself. Because sometimes people also think when pastors get up or preacher gets up and says, oh, the Bible says, and they take this word in the original Greek or Hebrew, this is what it means. That's not a, that's not a qualification the pastor can do. You can do that. There's resources out there. Go study it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. But if you look at that word, delight, I think we misunderstand what that word means. Is that to be delight? Is that to be happy? Is that to be joyful in the Lord? You know that's not what that word means in Hebrew? Really not even close. And I spent time last night looking it up. And delight in the original language to be soft. And some of the guys aren't going to like this. Delicate and dainty. And again, but I challenge you, go look it up. Don't take my word for it. But scripture says to be soft, delicate, and dainty. And that word soft comes to my mind. Because to be soft is to be shapeable and moldable and pliable in God's hands. And when you are shapeable and moldable and pliable in God's hands, it's no longer about you and you're not making it about you. And when you, when you are soft and pliable, he's going to give you the desire of your heart because he is going to create and shape and mold that desire in you. And I imagine this man that was blind wanted to see. But when Jesus, I, I imagine this man, though, and in our context, we would have somebody, and there's nothing wrong with it, we'd have somebody come up and we want to pray for him and see him healed. But Jesus knew this man needed to go wash. Jesus knew this man needed to act in faith to receive his healing. But what I see in this man is he lived out what, what that verse in Psalm said. Because again, think, strange person walks up to you, they spit in the ground, they make some mud, maybe get some grass and they put it in your life. Would you let him do that? Would you be shapeable and moldable in that way where you would allow Jesus, even if you knew who he was, to do that? This man was shapeable. This man was moldable. This man said, I will be soft and I will submit to what Jesus is telling me. And I believe, scripture doesn't say this, I believe his desire was to see. Why did, grant God that de- why did God grant that desire? Because this man was shapeable and moldable. Because maybe in that moment the Holy Spirit touched his heart and he understood what it meant to delight in the Lord. And when we delight in the Lord, it doesn't mean we're not happy, it doesn't mean we're not joyful. It simply means we're soft. I don't know how I feel about the word dainty, but we're soft. Soft. And if you think about that clay context, soft clay can be shaped. It can be molded. Clay can be built up into half a pot, and it's not perfect, and smashed back down. And I know Pastor AJ and I have had many conversations like this. There are times in our life where we need to be broken. And sometimes we need to be broken more than once. But again, we look at being broken as a bad thing. Being broken and shaped by Jesus is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And how many times when we need to be shaped, we need to be molded, when we go through a circumstance or an experience in life, that we, and I'm going to be clear about this, we see as negative. We call it negative. Is it really? Or is it God just putting us and getting us where he needs us and wants us to be for his glory? And I go back to, you guys know we used to do um, food box distribution with Doc and Beth, some others. And they've since moved, but um, the Greg and Laura Cheney were out of town. And a couple guys and I were driving Greg's truck, and we had, I don't know, hundreds of food boxes. And we're coming down to Temecula Parkway, and we had a fuel line problem, and the thing died in rush hour traffic on a Friday to Mecula Parkway Freeway with all this traffic, with no way to get out. We would see that as a negative circumstance. 
that would be a why, God, what I do, you've got to be kidding me. I want to get this done so I can go home and enjoy my evening and watch a movie. Is that not what we would do? We'd see it as purely negative. In that moment, as we're sitting there, a young man who just visited his, uh, I think it was his grandma, out in the, in the desert, Palm Springs was coming through, and he was able to pull us off. But this man had a need for some spiritual restoration and prayer. This man had been broken and was seeking someone that would pour into him spiritually. And God needed us to run out of gas or break down right there to be in his path. We would see that as a negative thing. God simply saw that as putting us where he needed us so his name could be made known to a young man that needed, I think it was Christian Tikasai in that moment. And my desire is that as we look at the things that happen, as we get out of our own head, as you go through your day, are the things that happen that you perceive as negative or didn't go your way really, didn't go your way, or are they simply God positioning and placing you where he needs you? And it may be for your growth, it may be for your change, it may be for another person. But there's so many times we see negative things, and I, I don't think God sees it that way. He's just putting us where he needs us. And are we being about us, and is about, are we being, or making it about us, or are we making it about Jesus? Because these things can happen, and we can say, yes, Jesus, I don't, I don't know why you have me here. I don't know why you woke me up. I don't know how you, why you have me broken down in traffic. But I'm going to say yes. Because when we make it about us and we're negative, we will miss that person that needs us. We will miss that midnight text. We will miss the opportunities because the other reason it's not about you, you're not here. You're not sitting in this building hearing this. You're not on this earth for you. It's for Jesus first and the people that need to see Jesus born out in your life and the, need, the, and the people that need you to do a work or prayer or something in their life so Jesus will be made known through them. Because you're not here for you and it's not about you and it's not about me. And I think there's a moment we need to get that and I hope we do. I'm all okay on time. Um, um, so I guess the second point is, I will desire what God desires. And I think that's a prayer we need to pray. Because so often our desires, they may not be bad, they may not be negative, but is it what God desires? And I think we always, always, always need to pray, God, let me desire what you desire. And Jesus, in a different way, modeled this in the garden. God, I don't want to go to the cross, God. I really don't want to do this. But... And it's just like David. David ended, but God. Jesus even said, but God, if this is your will, that's what I'm going to do. Do we desire what we want, or do we desire what Jesus wants? And are we actively praying for that? And I'm not talking about when you go on a mission trip to Estonia, or you go to Mexico, or you come to church service to worship. I'm talking about when you leave this building, when you go start your day and go to work tomorrow. God, I want what you want. Even praying, I want to want what you want. Because sometimes in our flesh, we don't want what God wants. So we need to pray and say, God, I want to want what you want. And if you need to knock me down to do it, do it. If you need to use somebody else to kick me in the butt to do it, do it. But are we actively praying that? And I think Pastor AJ would call these dangerous prayers. But are we willing to be a little bit dangerous and put our expectations, our desires, our will, all those, are we willing to submit them on the altar and say, doesn't matter what I want. And I understand this this is hard to do. It's easy to say here. It's easy to feel warm and fuzzy about it on a Sunday, but it's hard. But are we willing to do it? So when we walk away, we have to be willing to do it. And then we have to be willing to say yes. And that yes might be to something that scares us. And that yes might be something, yes to something that excites us. But I guarantee when you say yes, it's going to be good and you're going to want more. You're going to want more. Um, and then I think um, 
Danny has something I'm going to have her put up because what we also miss is what God's doing. And, and I know AJ has seen this before and we've talked about it. But Danny, if you can put up that picture because we, um, has anybody ever, ever been to, uh, I had the privilege years ago of going to the Chicago Institute of Art and you have these incredible tapestries, these huge tapestries and rugs that are just incredible and beautiful and just beyond beauty. You wonder, how can a person create that? And I don't know if you've had a privilege of seeing that, privilege of seeing that but, th and this is, but this is the best picture I could find. You know, on the right here would be that beautiful tapestry. And you see the beauty of it. But if you flip those things over, that's what you see on the back. It's a mess, and it doesn't make sense, and it's ugly, and probably nobody would hang that on their wall. Nobody would pay 30 bucks to go to an art museum to see that. But this is so often what we see and what we focus on. We fail or we choose not to see what God's doing. And I use that word purposely. We choose not to see what God's doing because this is what God's doing and that's what we choose to see. In our own stinking thinking, in our own heads, in our own negativity, we choose that instead of choosing this. And sometimes it looks messy, but we got to look for what God's doing. So I challenge, store this image because are we looking for the beauty of what God's doing or are we just looking at ourselves and our circumstance and the crappiness of it? And that is a choice. And the only person who gets to choose that is me and each one of you. Wives, your husband doesn't choose that for you. Husbands, your wife doesn't choose that for you. Teens, nobody chooses that for you but you. But it's time to choose different. It's really time to choose different. And not see what the world would have us see. Because our own head and the enemy would have us see that. And are we going to choose to see that or are we going to choose to see Jesus? And we can ask him to show us, I don't know why you have me up, show me. I don't know why you have me here, show me. I don't know why you have me in this job, show me. I mean, this has happened to me. I don't know why I'm sitting on the side of the road because this person just re-rendered me. Show me. Because maybe that person needs me because they need Jesus and they just need to see a different reaction from me than they've seen the rest of the world to, to a genuine mistake. They just need to see Jesus. We choose. We can choose to see the messy and the ugly, or we can choose not to. Um, and, you know, the last point would be, and I guess the worship team can come up. I'm not good at the programming part of this, and the, and the, and the structure, guys, that's, I just like to talk. <laughs> but it's not about me. It's just about Jesus. That's the last point. It's not about me. It's just about Jesus. And we can say that, but do we get it, and do we walk and live that way? And if we walk and live that way, God is going to bless that. And those blessings may come in forms that are unexpected, but it's always good. Because I'll say again, he's not going to bless an excuse, and he's not going to bless what you do in your flesh. But when you walk with him, and when you make it about him and not about you, he is going to bless that. And it won't always be perfect, and it won't always be rosy, but he's going to bless, and it's going to be good. And you will walk with joy, and you will walk full of the spirit and you will walk in an unexplainable joy and peace that scripture talks about because it's not about you it's what the spirit's doing in you and what the spirit's doing through you it's not about how my day is going it's about where God's put, putting me it's not about whether I wanted to get to work on time or get caught in traffic maybe you're caught in traffic because he needs you praying 
But so many times we always see the things through the filter of negativity and the filter of why me and the filter of this does not meet my expectations. This does not meet my plan. This does not meet my perception. I had a plan. This doesn't fit. I don't know about you. I don't want God to fit into my plans. And maybe this should have been a point. I don't want God to fit into my plans. I want to fit into his. And we've got to stop blunt. We've got to stop taking God into our day and saying, follow me where I go. This is what I want to do. And we've got to start saying, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And if he tells you, do something completely different than you planned, and you're not sure how that's going to work out, okay, do it. Because do you want to fit his plan, or do you want him to fit your plan? And do you want to really know him? And I think we just... In all this, God is not a God that's angry. And God's not a God that's, that's, um, he's not angry. He's not the disciplinarian about this. He has such deep love because he wants to do so much through you. And he just wants to see us thrive and thrive outside of all these negative things. Thrive outside of our own thinking and our own thoughts and our own negativity. He wants our minds and our hearts to be renewed anybody here has ever done ministry, done outreach, you didn't, may not have done it, done anything like that, set up church, you may not have done it, done worship, you may not have done it to feel good and joyful, but God will give you an incredible blessing that will fill you up in a, no way that anything else can fill you up, and no compliment and nothing else. But he can't do it if we're not surrendered, and he can't do it if he doesn't know us and we aren't seeking Know him intimately. Know him intimately means repentance. Know him intimately means be vulnerable. Know him intimately literally means to be laid bare before him. Sometimes that repentance, I don't know if you guys ever have, I've compelled to be on my knees and literally on my face, laying on the ground in repentance before him. And there's no better place to be because that is not a negative thing. It feels weird. We might feel uncomfortable being that vulnerable before God, but he desires that vulnerability. And there's no place that will be better. And there's no place that you'll enjoy more. And when you get that intimacy and knowing God that way, you're never going to want to leave that. And what happens is when you enter into that place with Jesus that way, when you go to go about your day, you're following where his spirit takes you, and you take that presence and that intimacy with you. And when you take that presence and intimacy with you, that's what attracts people to Jesus. And it's fine the things we do, and it's fine the things we say, even the programs that we do, and the events that we do, and the outreaches we do. But really, what attracts people to Jesus is when we enter into that intimacy and knowing with him, we walk with it. And he walks with us that intimately. And people around that don't know, maybe don't want to know Jesus, they see that, and that's what they want. And then sometimes it doesn't matter what we say, because we can get caught up on... What do we say? How's the right way to tell people about Jesus? Know him. Be intimate with him. And he'll give you the words, but then you'll also be unafraid to do exactly what Jesus called you. You'll be unafraid to go um, reach out to the homeless. You'll be unafraid to go reach out to the homeless even if they say, we don't want you here. And what would you say? Yeah, but I know Jesus, and I know how much he loves me, and I know how much he loves you. I'll go in anyway. 
that intimacy will take a man that doesn't like to fly and doesn't like heights halfway around the world. But those things are not reserved for a pastor agent or a pastor Justin or a leader in the church. And I wish I'd put it in so many things come to mind, guys, but you know, scripture talks about, in, I believe it's Timothy, talks about doing the work of an evangelist. But it says to fulfill your ministry. Pastor Chief or Pastor Justin or Pastor AJ may have a formal title and that may be a ministry. And I know this sounds, we, we say this and it's cliche, everybody has a ministry. And that ministry could be a lifelong ministry, but it could be a moment when a, uh, God puts a person in front of you. For the cert team, it's that girl that he puts in front of them that needs to be rescued. For the slave-free project, it's that Bible that needs to be created that's going into Russia right now for people that we may never meet. It may be going and doing that homeless outreach. It may be that conversation with our husband or wife. It may be how we minister to our kids. But scripture tells us to fulfill our ministry. But we cannot unless we know him. And I come back to that's why it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus first and it's about the people around us. So I would pray that each person here would take a moment and to search their heart say, God, what is it that you'd have me do? Where am I making it about me? What do I need to surrender? Because I can guarantee you there's not a person in this room that doesn't need to surrender some. And that includes me. But we can't wallow there and we can't stay there. God, what do I need to surrender? I'm going to repent because I want to go do what you want me to do. God, I want to know right now and I want to repent right now because I want to walk out of this room and I want to impact a life for Jesus. And I got to say this last week when we were talking about Estonia. I believe, this isn't in scripture, but I believe one of the things that Jesus would say to if he, was he, if he were here was, will you live your life? Will you walk each day with the intent of impacting somebody for eternity? And it doesn't have to be complicated to just saying yes to Jesus. It doesn't have to be some big grand thing or going across the world. It could just be so simple. But it starts with repentance and knowing him, and that starts with it not being about you. So we always um, also give an opportunity for those who don't know Jesus because that, that knowing Jesus is a journey, right? And it's a lifelong journey. Anybody who's married in here knows that as you, as you walk, and when you're one, you're married to your spouse, and you're 10, you're married to your spouse, and you're 20, you're married to your spouse. You're continually learning and getting to know them. And it's a journey, and you walk together. And it's no different with Jesus. It's no different than when we walk with our kids as we raise them and grow them up. To know Jesus is a lifelong journey. But it does start with a single step to say, God, Jesus, I want to know you and I want to walk with you. And if there's anybody here online that doesn't know that and they want to, I'm not going to give you a prescribed prayer. I'm just going to say, get before Jesus and say, I want to know you. I want to surrender. What does that look like? Show me. Jesus, I want to take that first step. But for the rest of us, it's also going to Jesus and God, Jesus, I want to know you. And is there something in the way of that? Is there something I haven't surrendered? Is there something I haven't given up? Is there somewhere I've made it about me? And I want to know that now. Because I want to stop making it about me. And I want to make it about you. Because then I can go and be filled with the Spirit. And bear those
those fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Because there's no happy place to be. And again, we got to say this last week, you know, one of my happy places is, is Estonia. And the happiest place on earth, you could say is Disneyland, right? The happiest place on earth is just knowing Jesus and saying yes. That's the real happiest place on earth. And sometimes that takes you to Estonia. Sometimes that takes you to Disneyland. Sometimes it takes you across the street to your neighbor. Sometimes it takes you just to your dinner table with your kids. But there is no happier place on earth than just saying yes to Jesus. So this may sound weird, but I would ask everybody if they're willing, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 seconds, spend a little bit of time with Jesus and say, I just want to say yes to you. And that's for the believer that's new. That's for the believer that's walked with Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. As much as I know you now, I want to know you in a different way. I want to do what you have for me. If what you have for me is to go do this and that's uncomfortable, I'm going to do it. If what you have for me is to sit back and learn and rest for a while, I want to do that. Sometimes we look at men in the Bible and we look at their ministry, but sometimes we misunderstand the preparation that went into that and the time that went into that before they um, went into ministry, the rest time that God gave them. So just ask Jesus today, how can I know you more? What can I do to know you more? What's in the way of that? What do I need to give up? What do I need to surrender? What do I need to not make about me? And I promise you when you do that, there will be joy. There will be hope. It will well up in you. And it doesn't matter what's happening with your finances or gas prices or anything else in life. It could be housing problems. It could be mortgages. It sounds like it could be divorce. It could be anything. But the Spirit will well up in you and He will do something. And then all those things that you struggle with will begin to change. And they will begin to fall into place because, again, Scripture tells us that if we walk with the Spirit, we won't seek after the things of the flesh. We also won't be consumed by those things. And we won't be consumed by worry and doubt. We won't be consumed by condemnation. We won't be consumed by any of that. Because to walk by the Spirit is just Jesus. Just Jesus. And we get to do this. And it's cool because we get to do this together. just going to worship a little more spend a few minutes with Jesus because you're going to walk out of here filled up and joyful and if you've come to church before and you haven't taken the step to repent and really walk away from the things where we made it about us and then by Sunday afternoon or Monday or Tuesday you feel empty again go spend some time with Jesus reconcile that confess it repent and the filling of the spirit that you get and the thrill that you get from that will be amazing and incredible tell you how God's going to do it for you, but I know he will and I promise you, and I promise you will be good. And I promise that God will, I know that he will begin to take your eyes and let you see things that the way Jesus sees them. He sees them through who eyes. And that transforming of your mind will happen. And all of a sudden those things won't be that bad thing. It will be God's giving me this opportunity. God's doing this in life. God's doing that in my life. God put me here slowed me down to rest. Praise God. God, be able to do this person's life. Praise God. God, let me build this incredible relationship with this person that I didn't know. Praise God. Know that you guys are loved and you're valued.
no, no, no. If it's today, if it's tonight, ask God to experience his love so that you understand what that looks like if you haven't before. Or if you need a fresh renewing of that love because you will love me very well when you've gone. It's another ism. You can't lead or take somebody or point somebody to where you haven't been. If you don't know what Jesus' love looks like, if you don't know what his forgiveness looks like, if you don't know what his grace looks like, you can't take anybody else there. But you can experience that right now. You don't have to do it someday. It doesn't need to be tomorrow. It doesn't need to be next week. It doesn't need to be, and there's nothing wrong with these things, but it doesn't need to be when you go to youth camp or that marriage conference. Those are great things. It can be right now in this moment. It can be here. It can be in your seat. It can be at the stage. It can be in your car. It doesn't matter. But do that with Jesus because things will change and they'll change in an instant. And when you experience his love, you will be overwhelmed and you'll understand it. You'll know your worth. But you will be able to show other people your worth in that same love. Love you guys. God is good. Love everybody online. Pastor Justin, love you. And I think we're just going to worship.
this note. Let him have his way. And go be a tool. Give you permission to go be a tool in Jesus' hand this week. Do it. Just do it. Don't question. Don't question. Don't doubt. Just do it. Be a tool and watch what he does. Because his glory and his name will be made known through you. That's a promise. You guys are loved. I hope to see you guys on Wednesday night.